Welcome to episode 44 of the RSA Resident and Student Podcast Series, a production of the American Academy of Emergency Medicine Resident and Student Association. RSA is an accessible, collaborative organization that fosters innovation, education, and advocacy for residents and students in emergency medicine. In this episode, Uja Gopal, resident at University of Illinois at Chicago and former RSA Education Committee Chair, speaks with Dr. Christopher Doty, member of the AEM Scientific Planning Committee and CORD President. Today, Drs. Gopal and Doty discuss building resiliency in emergency medicine. Welcome everyone to another edition of AEM RSA podcast. My name is Pooja Gopal. I'm a current PGY3 at University of Illinois at Chicago and the current chair of the education committee. I'm really excited today to be here with Dr. Doty, who needs no introduction, but I will still ask him for one. (laughs) So my name is Christopher Doty and I am the vice chair of education and a professor of emergency medicine at the University of Kentucky. I served as program director at SUNY Downstate Kings County Hospital for several years, about 10 years uh, between the EMIM and the categorical EM program. And then uh, about five years ago, transitioned to the University of Kentucky and was the program director there for about five years. Awesome. So Dr. Doty is going to be talking to us about building resiliency in emergency medicine, the science and what mom already told you. So, Dr. Doty, what exactly does resiliency mean? Well, I think there's a lot of wellness words we're using these days. Wellness seems to be in vogue. So there's physician wellness and resiliency and avoidance of burnout and anti-fragility. Resiliency really, you know, it's a physics term. It's your ability to, for an object to be deformed and come back to its original shape. And we sort of have extrapolated that to people and and how do people face adversity and then regain what they had before or even potentially be stronger from the experience. So the deforming force would be stress or a bad event and the object would be the person. So that's really what resiliency is, is, is your ability to face adversity and bounce back. So what's the science behind resiliency? Resiliency has been looked at by sort of many researchers over time, what things predict your ability to, to move forward. The whole reason I got interested in this, which is a little bit of an aside, is that over the 15 years that I was a program director, I spent a lot of time talking about topics that are important to emergency physicians pulmonary embolism, uh, wrist stratification of chest pain, epistaxis, low back pain, gluteal abscesses, all these things that we have to know. But what I didn't spend a lot of time on was true resiliency of emergency physicians. Early in my career, I began lecturing about physician wellness, but but in truth, and, and almost embarrassingly, it was almost all about physical wellness. It was about ACGME regulations and sleep science and duty hours. And, you know, if, if you want to get sleep, what are the best ways to do that? But true resiliency, true wellness, I really didn't address at all with my learners. 
until we had a devastating loss at the University of Kentucky. One of our residents took his own life, and it came into sharp focus for me that that we really had not paid much attention to what is important. So, although it didn't answer your question, the science behind resiliency, people have looked at what practices or what characteristics physicians have that have shown themselves to be more resilient. And, you know, we say that that two out of five physicians is burned out. Well, Zwank actually said, well, if two out of five physicians is burned out, well, what about the other three? And began to look at uh, senior physicians that were not burned out and then what practices they have. McCann, a long time ago, uh, began to, or many years ago, I should say, began to look at what practices nurses, techs, physicians, PAs had. And then there have been a couple of meta-analyses over the past couple of years by West, by Raj, that, again, have looked at smaller studies and then tried to determine what are common practices or what are common characteristics. And that stuff is not great science, but I think it does help us put things into buckets so that we know that adequate sleep is a bucket. Mindful practice is a bucket. Addressing the stress in your life is a bucket. Engaging in work practices. So I think when you, when you look at all the science, for me, it really, all these different uh, studies really have seven common themes. So I've just sort of in my mind created this ring of the seven themes, and I think most of the science fits into that. And just to tell you what those seven are, engage in your environment, and that is when you feel like you're getting burned out, you don't withdraw. The natural tendency is to, is to pull back and sort of circle the wagons, but resiliency science shows that that actually becoming more involved in your work practices, engaging in the things that are causing stress, that helps resiliency. And I also think engaging in not just what the causes are, but also the solutions. So being thoughtful about where your power comes from, where your energy comes from. Do you get energy from uh, spending time reading fiction? Do you get energy from being outside and exercising? Do you get energy from spending time with your kids and addressing that, finding the things that are, that are powerful to you and what is a detractor. So in my nerdy life, I liken this to Superman, right? So Superman has two things in his life, kryptonite, which sucks his energy. So you have to identify where your sources of kryptonite are and know about those and minimize those and engage in strategies to deal with that. And then the other thing for Superman is he gets his power from the yellow sun. If he's weak, he flies up above the clouds and he basks in the yellow sun and that rebuilds him. Uh, so you have to find where your sun is. You have to find your, where your source of power is. Next is I think we can reframe our thinking. So this is the second point. When we look at something in the emergency department that is challenging for us or, or it's elder abuse or, or child abuse or a drug-seeking patient, you know, how do we think about that? Do we get frustrated that you know we're in the middle of an opiate epidemic? Or do we see this as an opportunity to take one step closer to helping this person who's struggling with addiction? 
I think one of the most important things and has been shown in almost all these studies is our connectivity, our social relatedness to other people, the density and the depth of the relationships that we have with other people. That's the third thing. I think focusing on relationships and focusing on how we react to other people and how we can connect to them, I think is critically important. I think when you get to the end stage of burnout and depression, a lot of people are uh, facing suicide. And I, I think people don't die of suicide. They die of isolation. They die because the pain has overwhelmed their connection to other people. So I think deepening the connectivity would be the third thing. Fourth, I think we have to practice positivity. We have to look for positive things in our life. And Rob Orman has talked about this, and I think he's exactly right, is that we focus on, we chew on, we think about that last case that we had where it didn't go right or we got yelled at by the patient or somebody wasn't happy, and we think about that for months and months. Whereas somebody that comes up and says, thank you, we just move right on. We say, hey, I mean, that's why we're here. Happy to do it. Move on. So Rob actually says, you know, we should take a minute and, and bask in that. You know, stand up from the computer, go walk over, receive a thank you from the patient, and, and you know, and, and be grateful for the gratitude. The other two things, and I'm taking a while to answer this question, I apologize, but I think we need to clarify our purpose. Realize that, that while working in a factory or working on Wall Street or baking cupcakes for a living are all honorable professions and honorable employment, what we do is a vocation. It's a calling. And we, we all went into medicine to, to make a difference. And I think we have to find a way to touch back to that purpose, that drive, that vocation, the very reason that we did all this. And then the last two things, I think we have to manage our emotions when we find ourselves being triggered. Uh, we find ourselves being anxious to be thoughtful and manage that. And then the last thing is, and this is the Moshishi, but it has been shown pretty clearly that mindful practices, whether that be meditation or breath work or just a simple deep breath before you walk into the patient's room, is helpful for resiliency. I think it's probably also helpful, although I haven't had science to show this, in that you're more present for the patient, more able to hear what they have to say, and more clear. So my suspicion is, is that uh, it helps patient care. It helps uh, your ability to connect with a patient and feel like, like you're part of that moment, that care team. They probably have higher patient satisfaction scores. And then the last thing is, and uh, this is also from Zwack, is he showed that, that this doctor-patient relationship and feeling like you're connected to the patient also is very helpful for resiliency. Sorry for the long answer. No, not at all. Those are amazing pearls that I think everyone can, can learn from. So just to say them one more time quickly, engage your environment, reframe thinking, practice positivity, deepen connectivity, mindful practice, clarify your purpose, and manage your emotions. So that was the science part of it. And in your lecture, you mentioned things mom already told yeah. you. What are these things? Well, you know, some of them go back to the science. Raj, mm -hmm. in fact, showed that adequate sleep and dedicating time to sleep is, is in, increasing your resiliency. 
So I think that's one of the things. I mean, when I when I think of these, what I call vaccinations uh, for resiliency, I think of really common sense stuff. And what I mean by that is, you know, get adequate physical exercise. I think physical exercise is a vaccine for stress. And some people, that's their yellow sun, right? That's their power is they go outside, they do rock climbing or they do water skiing or snow skiing or they hike with their family. But I think, you know, adequate outdoors or, or indoors physical activity time absolutely inoculates you for, for stressful times. And I think the other exercise you have to do is, is mental exercise. You have to have lifelong learning. You have to engage in, in conversations and debate and have sort of mental calisthenics, think about things. Some of that may be reading nonfiction. Some of it may be discussion. But I think so often in today's society, we, we often don't exercise our minds. We read news or, or data feeds or whatever that, that support our own uh, worldview, whether that be conservative or liberal or, or moderate, and, and we don't expand our thinking. And I think you know, that leads to a smaller mind. I think adequate sleep, as I mentioned before, is one of those things. And I think adequate downtime is the last. And that I would advise people to dedicate time towards, towards downtime. So find time that, uh, that they can spend with their family or sp- find time they can spend with their church or whatever works for them. But I think that's the critical thing we have to do is, is have adequate downtime. Sometimes that's hobbies. Sometimes that's just reading but that is, I think, also very, very helpful. In addition to the things you already mentioned, are there other ways residents especially can acquire these skills to become more resilient? Yeah, I think part of it is, you know, those immunizations that we talked about and, and sort of setting yourself up for success. My good friend Mike Epter always says that proper planning prevents poor performance, his five Ps. And I think you know, setting yourself up for success is critical and immunizing yourself for stress is a good thing. You know, have time that you set aside for sleeping, have time you set aside for your family, whether that be your wife, your children, or your parents, or uh, your significant other. And it's hard. I, I get it. It's, it's hard to divide out all this time. But the other thing is we often dedicate a lot of time towards things that really don't move the needle for us. Sometimes that's sitting and watching TV. Sometimes it's perusing Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Now, Facebook is interesting in that there is some connection that happens there, and and the social relatedness, I think, is helpful. There's this group called EM Docs on Facebook where I think there really is a tribe feel to it. But the other thing about Facebook is that the connectivity is very superficial, and the news that you get from other people is very filtered, both to their worldview and also to the positive skew. People don't always talk about their trials and tribulations on Facebook. So, I mean, and myself included, you know, I often peruse it when I get up in the morning and as I'm sort of just waking up or when I go to bed, and hell, I can go down the rabbit hole for like an hour and a half just going through Facebook. And, you know, that's not moving the needle for me. And that time could have been spent uh, talking with my wife or, or you know, spending time with my kids or uh, reading a, a, an interesting p- 
piece of fiction or even an article, you know, reading about whatever, you know, Reboa. Or it could have just been mindful practice time, meditation time, quiet time. I could have been sleeping. We don't always make good decisions in our downtime. It's fun for me to to hang out here at AEM. I was hanging out with a bunch of good buddies of mine from residency last night, but I got to bed at midnight and had to be up at 6. I could have got another hour of sleep and probably still had a lot of fun hanging out with them. Cut an hour early. Any other final tips for medical students, residents, in terms of building resiliency, wellness? Yeah, I think, you know, it's hard. And I think part of the challenge is is there's not a lot of role models. When I do my talks for faculty, uh, one of the things I talk about is, is that others are watching us. I think residents, medical students are always watching what I do as an academic emergency physician, and they model my behavior. So if I have bad wellness behavior, then I'm setting them up for failure. So I think the residents can think about this and think, you know, who who has good clinical judgment? Who do I want to model my practice over for working up PEs? Who do I model my practice over for low-risk chest pain? What about trauma resuscitation? What about wellness? What about keeping up with the medical literature? All these things that are important to, to physicians in training. I think wellness should be just one of those things where you look for your model physician. Because when I was a resident, there were certain people that I wanted to be like when it came to low-risk chest pain, and there are certain people that I wanted to be like when it came to trauma. And often they were not the same people. So finding somebody that you can model after and then, and then just being thoughtful, figure out where's your yellow sun, where's your kryptonite, and cut out time to do those things. And, and what you find important, you will make time for. I always have time for dinner. Because, you know, I like to eat. I don't always have time to read, you know, the, the journal, uh, you know, that, that's come out because I haven't prioritized it. So if you prioritize wellness, you'll find, you'll find time for it. These are magnificent tips and things I think all of us can, can learn from. I know I especially did. Thank you so much, Dr. Doty. We really appreciate it. And thank you to everyone who is tuning in. And we hope to hear from you next time. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast from the American Academy of Emergency Medicine Resident and Student Association. For more information about RSA, please visit our website, www.aaemrsa.org. Listen to all podcasts in this series and explore the ways you can get involved with RSA. Join us again next episode for another topic of importance for emergency medicine residents and students.